You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Tell you that the song service gets quicker every time I preach. You just gotta slow down, but that was very beautiful. Uh, for those of you that don't know, that couple that just sang, they are our uh, youth pastor and youth pastor's wife, and they do a phenomenal job with our youth group. Uh, as I've been going out lately witnessing, it seems like we're witnessing to more young people. And I just tell them about what a great job uh, this couple's doing in the church and uh, just the youth group that we have. It's an exciting thing. Uh, we see several men that have been uh, young men that have been called to preach, uh, some that have come back and got right with God. Uh, and then just the ladies, just the phenomenal fellowship that the ladies have. They'll meet sometimes and they'll just pray together. Uh, and that's just a blessing to see young people do that. I'm very excited about our youth group. I have two teenagers in the youth group now. Uh, and I have two that will hopefully uh, make it to the youth group if uh, mom and dad don't get a hold of them first. But uh, it's a blessing to see. Uh, but I say all that to say, if you know teenagers, invite them. Uh, because a lot of them are starting to go out to Bible college. We're getting to that point where they're phasing out. And we definitely don't want to see the youth group die out. That's uh, something that I pray about a lot. I love our youth group and our youth pastor and his wife. And they do a great job. Uh, we do thank you for the guests and visitors this morning. I do hope to be a blessing to you this morning. I tell you, there's no better place to be than church on a Sunday morning. Uh, a few years ago, you'd have never heard me say that. Uh, but God has completely changed my life. He's allowed me to preach. He's allowed me to serve. He's allowed me to serve amongst many of you. And what a blessing that is to be able to serve with one another, to hold one another accountable. I love our church. It isn't without its problems, but it's a blessing to be a member of Heritage Baptist Church. I talk to people often about our church. I invite people often. It is a blessing uh, to be in our church. Uh, but with that being said, I, I have spent much time in prayer and study. Uh, I tell you, there's something about preaching a Sunday morning service that brings about a particular uh, nervousness because what we're going to open God's word and preach about this morning is very heavy. Uh, it's very important. It's not something that I take lightly, uh, and it's something that I have prayed about uh, quite a bit throughout this week. I thank you for many of you men, uh, and even the ladies that have come up to me this week and just let me know that you're praying. Uh, you don't know how much that helps me, what a blessing that is, and how that thrills my soul. Uh, as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about the things uh, in this life that bring me peace and things in the life that don't bring me peace. Uh, there are many things in life I can truly say I have great peace about. And we'll talk about those later, but there are things in life that uh, I just don't know what's going to happen. The truth is, I don't know what tomorrow holds, and that can change in an instant. Uh, being in the automotive industry, I get the opportunity to drive cars around this city quite a bit. And sometimes I'll just drive through some of these rougher areas and I'll just pray. Because you, you see what some of these bus kids deal with, some of these rougher areas in this area, many of them without parents, many of them with, with siblings that are involved in the wrong style of living, drugs and alcohol and, and gang lifestyles. And you think about that, and you think about how sad that is, and it lessens their chance of coming to church and hearing the gospel. Uh, those are things that I don't have peace about. Those are burdens that I have. Uh, it's morbid to think about, but we could lose everything in an instant. 
Another thing that I see quite a bit when I test drive, it doesn't matter the state, and I've worked all across this country for Volkswagen, you see so many car accidents. I can't tell you how many times just in driving that I have personally firsthand witnessed cars flipping over, motorcycles being hit by other drivers. And you think about that, every time I see something like that, I pray, I hope that everybody is saved, I hope that everybody is okay, and I hope that we would understand how short life can be. There are things in life that I don't have great peace about. It is the brevity of life, how quickly things could change. I could lose my job, I could lose my family, my finances could in an instant be completely wiped out. And in life, we don't like to think about the things we cannot control. As humans, we, we, we love to be in full control of everything, and when those things happen, they cause an uneasiness in our life. But those days when that happens, and I, I'd hate to admit it, but my mind often wanders to those things I can't control, those things that cause an uneasiness in my life and give me no peace. It's always amazing to me, though, that in those times, I am reminded of the things that do bring me great peace. I know I'm called to preach. I have great peace in that. I know I've married the woman that God planned for me to marry. I have great peace in that. She might not feel the same, but I have great peace in that. I know where I'm God where I'm I'm where God wants me to be and I have great peace in that. There's no other place in the world that I'd rather be than Corpus Christi and Heritage Baptist Church. We talked about how hot it is here, Brother Josh, but there's no other place I'd rather be. But above all that, the greatest peace in my life is my salvation. I know I will never have to spend one second in hell. I will never experience eternal separation from my heavenly Father, and it is my desire that others would know that as well. I have given myself over completely to preaching the gospel so that people don't have to die and go to hell. Throughout Scripture, the Bible makes it very clear that any and all who would come to Him can be saved. In Luke 19, we see Zacchaeus receive the Lord. In Luke 23, the thief on the cross accepts Jesus Christ. In Acts 9, Paul is given the Holy Spirit. In Acts 16, the Philippian jailer accepts Christ as his Savior. In Acts chapter 18, the Ethiopian eunuch believes upon Jesus Christ and is saved. And in this room this morning, many have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I'm glad to tell you this morning, I am one of those many. And yet it pains me that so many have no peace about their eternal souls. We talk to so many people as we go out soul winning. We talk to so many people just in our day-to-day, -day, in our lives, in our work lives, in secular world jobs. People have absolutely no peace about their eternal soul, and that just absolutely breaks my heart. It's amazing to me that salvation in of itself, the gospel, is so easy to grasp. The Bible says that even a child can comprehend the gospel, the gospel. And it's so easy to understand, yet man, whom God created in their minds and hearts, are often so hard to sway. There's something in us that just rejects it. We want nothing to do with it, largely because we believe that nobody could love us that much. But the truth is quite the opposite. We plead with people to understand it. It really is as simple as we preach it. Many of you know John Freeman. He's, he's a ferocious soul winner. Uh, I've had the opportunity to eavesdrop a couple times as he's talked to people about salvation, and he probably puts it as simply as I've ever heard it put. It's amazing, and yet still sometimes people reject it. They can't understand that somebody would come from a place like heaven and die on a cross because the, he loved them that much. But he did. 
And I hope to uh, be able to get you to see that this morning, how good Christ has been. And anybody that knows, anybody that's accept Jesus Christ can testify to that this morning. We truly at Heritage Baptist Church have a desire to see souls come to Christ. There are too many in this life with no peace, no certainty about where they are going when they die. This morning, I'd like to examine a woman in Scripture whom had no peace in her condition. I'd invite you to turn with me to Mark chapter number 5. Mark chapter number 5, and we'll begin in verse number 25. Very familiar passage of Scripture. I've heard many messages preached out of this particular passage. I'll look at it a little bit different light than what I've normally seen it preached at. But we'll go ahead and start verse number 25. It says, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came into the press behind, and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning, Lord. Uh, no doubt there are people in here that ha have no peace in their life about where they're going when they die, Lord. I pray that you would make it so very clear to them of their need for a Savior, Lord. I pray that you would help me to empty me of self and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let it be for your praise, honor, and glory, Lord. I do love you and thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen. It's amazing when you start reading your Bible how often you see pictures of salvation. This morning, the title of the message is A Picture of Salvation. I want to look at this woman with the issue of blood um, and just break down exactly what salvation is. You know, so many people, they want, they want to say, uh, well, if you could show me directly from the Bible that salvation is real, and then you show them over and over again that salvation is real, and yet they still want to reject it. Uh, people often have hard hearts in that area, but this morning, uh, with God's grace, I hope to be able to show you that. We see here a picture of salvation. First, we see a picture of sin. There in verse number 25, a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. The Bible tells us that she had an issue of blood. We often refer to that as a sin. That is represented, sin is represented in that issue of blood. Uh, now, I always tell people when I witness to them, I always ask them, what is sin? It's always amazing some of the answers you get. But sin put is anything we do that this book says we ought not to do, very simply. If the Bible says obey your parents and we do not, then we have sinned. If the Bible says that we shall not lie and we do, then we have sinned. If the Bible says that we shall not drink alcohol or liquor and we do, then we have sinned. If the Bible said we shall not commit murder or even to think it and we do, then we have sinned. Anything that goes against God and his word is sin. 
And when you break it down like that to the lost people, you know what? They understand a lot more than we give them credit for. They just don't care or they just don't know. But that's why it's our job to preach the gospel in its entirety. Sin separates us from God. He cannot look upon sin. In this particular time period, this woman would have been completely separated from the synagogue and from friends and family. If you study it out at this particular time, people with these particular issues or plagues, anytime somebody that was clean that would approach them, they would have to announce, unclean, unclean, so that other people knew that they were unclean and to stay away from them. The law stated that she was unclean, and therefore she was denied the ability to partake in fellowship with her loved ones. And this is a picture of how sin completely drives us away from the fellowship of God and God's people. And that's exactly what it does. Now, my testimony is a little different in that I was saved at 15. And I wish I could tell you that I continued to live for God from 15 on. But the truth of the matter is that's not what happened for me. So I was saved when I was 15. But just a few months later, at the age of 16, I spiraled into deep sin as a drunkard and an addict to pain pills. For eight miserable years, I was in my sin completely separated from God. It's amazing in that eight years over and over and over again, God would send people to try to bring me out of that. He would give people that would, that would witness to me, people that would befriend me, people that would invest time in me. And over and over again, I just kept pushing God away. I knew that I was saved. I knew that within, within my heart for sure that I was saved, and I knew that if I died, I would go to heaven, but I wanted nothing to do with living a godly lifestyle. And the more I pursued that sin, the more I was separated from God. And that's exactly what happens this morning. When we just push God away and we continue into our sin, we have separation from the Father. I'm here to tell you this morning, you don't have to continue down that road of misery. The greatest peace in my life has been in my salvation. It's an amazing fact to me that God can save somebody like me. And the truth is, God can save anybody that's willing to come to him with a repentant heart. The greatest joy in my heart is serving God alongside God's people and bringing the gospel to a lost and dying world. I tell you, uh, many of the churches that I've been a part in, being in a military family, I've been through uh, many churches throughout my lifetime. And I could tell you, not many churches are out soul winning. And I'd have to be very honest that when I got to this church, this church wasn't really what I would consider a soul winning church. Sure, we went out, maybe a couple here and a couple there. But you know what? Almost every Saturday we have people showing up and going out and telling people about Jesus Christ. But it just doesn't stop on Saturday. It happens on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and the rest of the week. And we have people getting saved weekly since we began looking at souls as important and valuable in the eyes of God, when we have the same perception about the lost as God does, we're going to have that burden for lost souls. But we see also a picture of the world. Look at verse number 26. And had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. That's exactly what sin does. The more you pursue it, the worse you're going to get. She spent everything she had in hopes that she would receive relief from her issue of blood. Doctors promises of a remedy only to be left void and unsatisfied with the outcome over and over again. The Bible says rather than any relief, rather than get better, she rather grew worse. I tell you, that's what sin does to you this morning. I can attest to that. The more I tried to help myself with the world's ideology, the worse it got for me. 
I was only driven further into my alcohol addiction, further into my pain medication addiction. It wasn't until I realized that I could get out of that if I focused my eyes upon God. The world says just a little sip of alcohol will help melt the day's problems away, only to leave you a drunkard. The world says take this syringe, take this needle, fill it with God knows what, stick it in your arm, and you'll forget about all your issues for a little bit. And then you're only left chasing that next high and the next one and the next one. And I don't mean to sound morbid this morning, but if you've ever heard anybody that's addicted to any sort of hardcore drug, heroin, cocaine, alcohol, whatever it is, they say it's never as good as the first time they tried it. They're always trying to get back to that point. And you know what? They're never going to find satisfaction in that. You're never going to find satisfaction in the world. The only joy that comes in this world is through Jesus Christ. I remember the years that I spent as an addict, completely separated from the ones that I held so dear, and more importantly, separated from God. This world and its wisdom will throw self-help books. There's the problem right there, self-help books, self-pride on our own. We can't do it on our own. They'll throw recovery programs at you. Look, I I see everything in the world wrong with recovery programs. I'm sorry, I'm not a proponent of those at all. You're gonna tell me that a 12-step program is gonna help keep you disciplined? You know what the basis of those programs is? Is that you stay disciplined and you don't partake in the sin that you struggled with. There's nothing godly about that. God is the only one that can give us the power to overcome those addictions. I always tell people, and they don't believe me, and I really don't care if you don't believe me, but when I was an alcoholic, there was a point in my life where I hit my knees and I cried out to God. I said, I can't do this anymore, God, and it was like a switch. Every time I walk by it, I smell it, and I get physically sick to my stomach. Only God can do that. No 12-step program will ever get you to that point. You know what you're going to do? You're going to fall over and over again. You'll do okay for a little while, and then you fall, and you do okay for a little while, and then you fall, and you do okay for a little while, and you fall. Why? Why is that? Because the world fails to take into account what it cannot gain power over. This wicked flesh, it's forever seeking to please itself, and when submitted to it, it will utterly destroy you and it will utterly destroy me. As a drunkard, it didn't matter how much I tried to overcome alcohol. As an addict, it didn't matter how much I tried to overcome pain pills. In my own power, I could not control my flesh. In all the help and wisdom of the world, I could not control my own flesh. It doesn't matter how many self-help books that I read, It doesn't matter how many podcasts I listen to. It doesn't matter how many times you watch Oprah Winfrey. You're not going to get help over your flesh. Only God can do that. This woman gave everything she had to get better, turning to the best of the world had to offer, and yet only grew worse. Do you imagine the defeat If I was to start calling people out right now, people that I know, testimonies that I know, and I'm not going to do that, but if I did that, we could testify this morning. You got to a point of defeat. You got to a point where you said, what else? 
what else? I've read every book. I've listened to every podcast. I've gone to every seminar. I've tried every recovery program, and yet I've only gotten worse. She was defeated. She had tried. She gave up everything that you had. You know, sometimes I believe in scripture, and I may be completely out of line for saying this, but I believe sometimes we need to read between the lines. How do you think she got the money to pay for all this stuff? Anybody that knows anything about drug addiction knows it's a wicked lifestyle. And when you want that drug, you will do unspeakable things to be able to have that relief. I could be completely wrong about this woman, but let's think of it in modern day times. When you're chasing alcohol, when you're chasing, chasing immorality, when you're chasing those pain pills, when you're chasing that heroin or that cocaine addiction, you are going to do unspeakable things to please your flesh. All she wanted was relief of her issue of blood. She was willing to give up anything and everything so that she could have that relief. She was defeated, she was exhausted, and she was tired of listening to the world to have her peace. Until one day, she heard of a man named Jesus. Look at verse number 27. When she had heard, heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. Everything the world had to offer had failed her. She had, she had spent all that she had. She had given up her life completely just to find relief and found it not. Until one day when all else had failed, she began to hear people speaking of this Jesus. No doubt she heard of the many miracles. Maybe she heard how he calmed the sea. Maybe she listened to stories of a man who had cast out a legion of devils from the maniac of Gadara. Maybe she heard of the multitudes healed. I believe that as she was in her lowest point in life, she was at that point of defeat. She started to hear about Jesus and something in her started bubbling up. They call it hope. No longer was her focus on the world. We sing that song, the things of this world go strangely dim. When Jesus starts coming into the picture, nothing else matters. I believe this to be the turning point of her life. The years she spent chasing relief from her issue of blood, spending all she had, having false hope, and being let down time and time again. But there was something different about this time. There was something different about this man. Friend, could I tell you this morning, I chased false hope time and time again only to be let down by this world. I thought, you know, I'll give all I have and I'll find it in the bottom of a liquor bottle. Wasn't there. You know, I'll work hard and instead of advancing myself in the, in the secular world, I'll just give it all to pills so that I can hide the pain. Didn't find it there either. I read those self-help books, it, it, it's absolutely disgusting to me. If you go to, if you go to a, a bookstore nowadays, Books A Million or uh, whatever we have around here, Barnes & Noble, you go in and it's chock full of self-help books. What some other clown couldn't figure out trying to give you advice about how you can get out of it when they can't even get their lives right. Yeah. 
You know what I find funny about that? If you ever turn on the news, those people, those self-help gurus, you find out they have problems too. Nothing changes. Flesh is still flesh. We're going to struggle with it. So why turn to somebody else that struggles with the same flesh when you could turn to somebody perfect? It was not until I looked past the things of this world and focused solely on Jesus Christ and repented of the sin I was so deeply in. I remember being, being told about Jesus Christ, and I remember singing the songs, and I remember going to church with my dad. And, and to be honest with you, as a young boy, I, I really didn't know who Jesus was. I knew he was a man we talked about. I knew his father was God. I knew they talked about him dying on the cross, but I remember getting to a point as a 15-year-old boy, I said, you know, I don't know. I don't know who you are, Jesus, but I keep hearing about you. I've never met you, never seen you, but I keep hearing about you. There has to be something to this thing. That was the day I had peace that surpasses all understanding. If we could just stop listening to the world and investing in the world's ideology, if we could just get focused on the one who left a place like heaven in loving kindness to die on a cross for the sins of us, if we could see how much he loves and how much he cares for us, those of us that are saved this morning, we understand why the Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because he's the only way. Jesus is the only way, friend. He's the only way. We see her repentance leads to a picture of faith. Verse number 28. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. You know, she got to see something that me and you won't get to see until we get to heaven. She laid her eyes upon Jesus. But still... She had such faith. She thought, if I, could just, if I could just but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. I don't have to say anything to him. He doesn't have to acknowledge me. I believe on, upon everything that he has done. If I could just touch but the hem of his garment, I know, I know in my heart that I will be made whole. What faith. And yet here in 2023, we have to be shown and explained. We have to see tangible evidence if we would just get on our faces before God and just realize how good he is. I understand it's a hard thing. People often ask me, how can you have such faith in one you have never seen before? How can you have faith in somebody who died 2,000 years ago, but they only have half the equation? Yeah, he did die, but he raised again on the third day. Jesus is alive and Jesus saves. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. She had never once seen this man perform any miracles that she had heard of. She only heard of the miracles of Jesus Christ, and yet she believed. I'll have to be quite honest with you. I don't know what all happens when you believe in your heart. I don't know. But I can tell you that something happened within my heart when I was presented the gospel of Jesus Christ. Something happened unexplainable. When I heard that someone loved me enough to come and die on a cross and rise again on the third day, that if I believe, if I believe and trust in him, that I won't have to pay the penalty of uh, sin for myself and be cast into hell for an eternity. 
That's a crazy thought when you think about it. I understand why the world is so confused by that because this world breeds hate and violence. And Jesus comes in and he loves and he wants to see people get saved because we were made to fellowship with the Father. That's what his purpose for us was. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to love you. He wants to get to know you. He knows everything about you, but he wants you to know him. I can't tell you exactly what happened in my heart. I can't tell you, but I believed. And let me tell you this. I have no problem telling you now that I most certainly believe. You could tell me all you want, but I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And because I called upon his name, he has saved my soul. Never will I know a place called hell. And this morning, if you don't have that testimony, if you don't know for sure where you're going when you die, we will give you an opportunity to know. And I would beg you, friend, please do not leave this place until you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. If I could just tell you this morning, if all he ever did was save my wretched soul, well, then I got way more than I deserved. But knowing a little something about God and knowing how good he is, he's not only given me peace in that, but he's given me blessings that I'll never understand, far beyond what I deserve. He's given me the ability to work hard so that I can provide for my family. He's given me a wife that has patience with me, that prays for me, that puts up with me and tolerates me. He's given me my calling. And anybody that knows me, just a few years ago, I was only called to preach three years ago. There's, <laughs> Brother Luke jokes with me all the time, uh, that guy, he doesn't even talk. I think for the first five years, nobody thought I had a voice in this church. A church family. I was joking just yesterday for the ladies in this church. I call them the sisters I never wanted. Miss Leanne, Miss Maria, Miss Lindsay, Miss Destiny, the sisters I never wanted. But you know what? I wouldn't trade them for anything in this world. I wouldn't trade a brother Darren for anything in this world or a brother Josh or a brother Cody. I don't know about Brother Luke yet, but we're working on him. But I believe. I believe that he saved my soul, and I believe he could save yours. If I didn't, I wouldn't be up here preaching it. I'd close this Bible right now and walk out if I didn't believe that. But God is good. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Could I tell you the day that I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior? Laugh at me if you want to, but colors seemed brighter. Everything around me seemed better. It was intense. I remember that day, the day that God saved my soul. I just remember everything around me. It didn't matter. You weren't going to get me in a bad mood. That was the greatest day of my life, knowing beyond a doubt that I'll never have to go to hell. And that is my life's mission, my life's purpose, is to keep other people out of hell. And I know many in this church have that burden as well. That's why we go out and we tell people about Jesus. That's why this church is thriving right now. But let us never lose that burden. Let us never lose that desire to continue to see souls saved. It is everything that we are supposed to do. God blesses us far beyond what we deserve. What's a little service for him? I believe that the instant she touched his clothes, she was made clean, not just of her issue of blood, 
no longer burdened down under the weight of her issue with blood, but a child of God. Look what he called her. He called her daughter. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It was her faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone to heal her. It was his grace, his unmerited favor, which healed her instantly. When I turned from this world and realized that Jesus alone was the only way I could be saved from hell and from my sin, I put my faith wholly in him. It was by his grace, his grace. You see, I deserved hell, but because I believed upon him, his amazing grace saved me. But then lastly, we see this morning a picture of sin forgiven. Read with me, if you will, verses 30 through 34. And Jesus, immediately knowing in him that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. I can't for a second believe that all he did was take her issue of blood away. To refer to as, as daughter. Not only was she ridded of her issue of blood, but completely of her uh, eternal separation in hell. Never again will she ever have to worry about that. I find it very interesting that all throughout Scripture, as I see salvation testimony after salvation testimony, that nowhere do I see God requires anything other than our faith in Him for forgiveness of our sins. See, the world will tell you differently. The world wants all that the world wants. Not only did Jesus cure her of her issue of blood, but she was also made whole and that she will never know a place called hell. She came wanting relief from her issue of blood and left a daughter of the king. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I believe she left with everlasting life that morning. The world says, sign here and all your fleshly desires will be met. Doctors say, pay this much and I'll heal you. Oh, sorry, I messed up. Pay a little bit more and I'll heal you this time. Give to this church and this pastor and you'll go to heaven. Be a good person and you'll go to heaven. Pray the rosary. Pay your way to heaven. Do enough good. We could never be good enough. Let me make that very clear. We could never be good enough to get into heaven. Why? Because we're of the flesh. The ideology that the world says, if you do enough good, that God would never turn you away is false. But the Bible, God's holy word says, just believe. It's that simple. We tell people that week in and week out, and they don't believe it, but it is that simple. Nothing more and nothing less. Believe. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I remember at 15 years old being presented for, with the gospel, and I remember them reading this verse, and he asked me, who is whosoever? I'm whosoever. You're whosoever. Anybody that has breath in them, if they realize their need for a Savior, if they realize that they're a sinner, and they don't know if they're going to heaven when they die, they can know. 
And I remember at 15 years old being presented with the gospel and accepting Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.